All right. So then. Yeah, I didn't really know how to act here. The worship's all backwards and stuff. So it's like, you know, I, I at first I thought I was supposed to face the other way, but that wouldn't do you any good. So, so that's cool, though. It's got all mixed up and everything. Shirley was, wasn't where she was supposed to be. I didn't know how to act. So anyways, I'm on track now. So we're going to be in Colossians. We're going to finish this finally. It's been, what, six years? Um, and so uh, we're going to finish this finally and then after that I don't know what will actually I think God's landing on me too if I ever do get to come back up here again after this um, I'm going to hey Bill is here good to see you if you guys didn't know um, and I don't know how you could miss that but he's here um, anyways um, if uh, um, First uh, Corinthians is where he's uh, leading me at if, if I ever get a chance to come back up here again. So that's, what, uh, that's probably where we'll end up. But today we're going to finish Colossians. And this is a wonderful uh, teaching here as, in, as he talks about servanthood. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I sh- probably won't be as passionate this time as last week. And so we'll be okay. I don't anticipate any preaching, you know, but you never know. You just never know. <clears throat> so in verse 7, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onsimus, a faithful and beloved brother who was one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you receive instruction, if he comes to, wel- to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphus, who is one of us, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is also and is read also in the church of the Laodiceans that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea and say to our Archippus, Take heed to the ministry of which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, Remember my chains, grace be with you, amen. Okay, so he starts with this gentleman, Tychicus, and he calls him a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant. He was the courier that Paul was going to use to deliver this letter, uh, as well as a letter to the Ephesians and uh, to Philemon. And uh, it's mentioned in uh, Titus 3.12, Tychicus is, as being with Paul, and uh, he was possibly going to be sent to to see Titus. And uh, uh, 
first, uh, first uh, Timothy, and then there's Titus, and then there's Second Timothy. That's kind of how it, how it was set up. These are called uh, pastoral epistles, and they're ones that, that um, the Second uh, Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote. It was probably written in like A.D. 67, sometime in there, and that's the time when Paul was martyred in that time frame. And so it was his last letter to you know that he wrote and it would you know um you know that and so those that were with him we'll talk about that in a little bit but that's that's his last letter and so um and uh there's a good chance that Tychicus was with him in this time and he was just one of those brothers that was always faithful it was always with him and it was one that he could always send out to go and do things and uh so he was you see a lot of times that he's sending him off to do certain things but um <clears throat> and so, anyways, that he was the courier that this this uh, group of letters, Ephesians and Colossians and uh, Philemon was was uh, sent out all about the same time with Tychicus as he went out to to take this. And Onesimus, he's the we know about him. He's the slave that's that's described in Philemon, and he's the one that um, you know he was probably a thief and he split on his master and all that kind of stuff. And so um, as uh, <clears throat> and so he's going to be a traveling companion. This guy got saved, and so he's going to head back. and 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 the letter to Philemon is like a letter of reference, just to you know to encourage him to accept him back and to forgive and and that sort of thing and so he's going back to try to clean up that mess and everything that that had happened at that time and so <clears throat> he's is going to be his uh traveling companion and then there's aristicus this guy he's a trip this guy this guy is one of those that he he's going to fall on the sword for you this guy this guy was was in the whole thing he was with paul when paul on his second missionary trip went to ephesus Paul spent almost three years in Ephesus and a church was started there and God was moving tremendously and people were getting saved and, and things. And people were getting saved so much that it started to affect you know, the guys that were making the little gods for the goddess Diana that was the god of the, of the area and the time you know, before you know, they, uh, Paul and his group arrived. And so the silversmiths, they kind of got together and got upset because their profits were going down because everybody was getting saved and getting rid of their little idols and stuff or they weren't buying new ones. And so they got the people all stirred up and then this big riot happened and everything. And so um, Aristicus, along with a couple of other guys, is one of the guys that got arrested in this whole melee as they were, you know, everybody was all upset and everything. And then Paul, he's going to try to fix it. So he's going to go, hey... I'll just go into the Colosseum there where everybody's gathered that's all yelling and stuff, and well, I'm just going to settle everybody down. And they're like, well, I don't think so, man. You go in there, and they're going to tear you apart. And so eventually he had to kind of split out of there and get out of there after everything settled down. And one of the, one of the councils there had went in and just said, hey, you know, you guys got a beef, take it to court. Otherwise, go home. And they did. And so... He kind of smoothed things out, but this is one of the guys that that was had gotten arrested in that whole thing, and here he's called a fellow prisoner. So he's one of those guys that just you know he sticks to Paul like glue, and when he gets arrested, this guy gets arrested too, and so they're together in jail, and uh, 
The last time he's really mentioned is in Philemon as being one of the guys since that's written at the same time as these letters were and sent out with the same couriers and stuff. Um, really don't know what happened to this guy. You know, how he drops off the radar or whatever is, you know, is not known. But uh, when we get to heaven, he's probably got some awesome stories to tell. So look this guy up, you know. I'm sure that, you know, he, he'd be easy to find. And so everybody will be wanting to know what happened after this. So uh, anyways, it's a cool thing, this gentleman. <clears throat> You know, there's, there's, you know, we have people that, that are companions of ours or there's friends or there may be someone very special that, that you know, that's close to you and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, and so this is one of those kind of guys to Paul that he was there. Then there's Mark. This is the Mark, John Mark. That's the author of the Gospel of Mark. And he was on the first missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas. Um, and uh, he was the one that it's mentioned as being in the New King James as John. He's the one that when they got to a certain city, he decided he was going to split and go back home. And um, I guess Paul wasn't real jazzed about that, but they went ahead and finished everything off. And so when they came up to the second journey and they were going to start it, um, Barnabas wanted to bring him along again. And Paul says, I don't think so. The guy split on us and I don't have time for that nonsense, so we're not going to put up with it. Well, they had such a contention about this that they split and went different ways. And so Paul went off one way and John with, uh, or Barnabas with um, Mark went off on another. But what's cool about this is that Mark is now with him in Rome. He's in jail. Uh, Paul is in jail. Mark is there. And, um, and so um, obviously they had gotten back together again and Mark was, was you know, uh, again used and, and uh, was a companion of Paul's and in fact he asked for him in, in 2 Timothy 4.11 he asked that, Paul, that Mark would come to see him and so this was just in the last you know months or days or weeks or whatever it was that he was still before he was martyred and so he was asking for Mark to come so you know, um, if there's a contention that you have with somebody, if there's issues that come up or whatever that goes on in your life and those kinds of things, and it might be years old, who knows? But um, God can heal, and He can bring things back together, and He can make them all new. And so, you know, um, pray and, and ask God to, to move in however that, you know, He can so that things can be healed and, and that sort of thing. And and obviously, Paul was able to, to have a, a relationship with this man, and he was with him and um, right up to the end. And God had brought a, a wonderful healing there, and so that's, that's just a really thing, cool thing. Then there's a gentleman called Jesus, who is called Justice. We don't know a thing about this guy. He's mentioned here. Everybody knows you know him obviously at this time but we really don't know anything about him this is like the first and only time that he's mentioned and so we don't really know anything and so and every one of these gentlemen that he mentions here are jews and they're very special and dear friends to him because and and they're very close to him and so those that were of that were of the circumcision that he says they're very near and dear to his heart and so he had uh, a real love for these guys and then there was Epaphras. Now, I'm going to read the verse again, and then I'm going to read it again in the, um, 
um, the Amplified just to get some clarity here. But Epaphras, one who, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Um, the Amplified puts it like this. He is always striving for you earnestly in his prayers, pleading that you may, as persons of ripe character and clear conviction, stand firm and mature in spiritual growth, convinced and fully assured in everything willed by God. Man, what a prayer. And what a statement that that you, when when we pray for people, you know, you know, we have our lists and that kind of stuff, and so we will, you know, just ask God to to bless, you know, Aunt Peg and an Uncle Frank, and you know, we got this whole killer thing going down through here. This guy was such a, a prayer warrior that he was wants to make sure that their their character and their conviction and their hearts were changed. He wanted to see God move in their lives in such a way that that there was just going to be a a real heartfelt change so that everything about them was different. It wasn't just a thing where like, you know, the you know, a 6-year-old you know that you know you know now I lay me down to sleep kind of a thing and you got this killer list and you you say it real fast so you can get through it and so you can get to sleep or whatever or you fall asleep while you're doing it or whatever that is this guy here was a full on 100% prayer warrior and he wanted that that these guys would be um have such a spiritual growth to be fully assured in everything willed by God wow what a wonderful prayer what an awesome thing to be able to, to you know, we have the, the opportunity to pray for each, each other in this same way. And so, the um, thing of it is, is probably going to have to spend a little more than two minutes, you know, praying for each other. And so we're just going to have to expand that time out a little bit, you know, so that we're just going to be, you know, lifting each other up in prayer. James 5.16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This guy was that 100% all the way down the line. And in verse 13, it says that he had labored hard on their behalf. You know, and so a true prayer warrior is an awesome testimony to have. I went to a, used to go to a, a convalescent home here in the high desert on occasion. And, and um, I, I met a lady that over there that had um, um, a disease that, caused her you know not to be able to walk she was paralyzed from the neck down and uh so and it just so happens that it was one of them things where we were over there and just kind of visiting and i just happened to go by her room and i saw her in there so i just went in to see her and god just blessed me tremendously with this lady she was amazing she couldn't even move any part of her body so she couldn't get dressed she couldn't use the restrooms nothing you know, but she was an incredible prayer warrior. She uh, she used to do that painting like Johnny Erickson Tata with her mouth, you know, and do little Christmas cards and that kind of stuff. She uh, was on the computer all the time, 
and they would set her up. And she had one of them things like, uh, well, it looked like, kind of like reminded of that thing that Peter Frampton had. I don't know if you remember who he was. <laughs> she didn't do that. But uh, that's how she used her computer, with her mouth. She had this killer thing that she stuck in her mouth, and she would chomp on it or move or whatever. And that was how she used her mouse, and that's how she used her computer. And uh, she went to a Presbyterian church that was in Apple Valley, and they had a special setup for people that had uh, special needs and that sort of thing, in wheelchairs and that kind of thing. And so they had a whole section set up just for that. And somebody went and stole their bus. And so she couldn't go to church because they didn't have a bus. So she gets on the Internet, and she starts drumming up, you know, funds and money and all this kind of stuff and donations and everything. And she winds up getting them a better bus than what they had before and everything. And it was a special handicapped bus that she could, they had with the door and they could get on and all this kind of cool stuff and everything. And she's just a wonderful lady. She, you know, when you went to see her, she just, you know, made you feel so good and and. You know, you, you feel that, you know, when you see someone like this, it's their whole demeanor and the way they are and, and the love of God and everything about them. And so when he mentions that, you know, this, this man here is just, you know, to, you know, to, uh, he has a great zeal and, and that kind of thing is just wonderful to see because he spends a lot of time in prayer that, you know, changes everything. I think somebody quoted that, isn't it? Prayer changes things. I think that's a famous quote. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, I didn't make that up. Uh, the, you know, but anyways, um, it's just wonderful to see God move in that way. And it doesn't matter the situation. This lady literally could not ever get out of bed. But she changed the lives tremendously. And so it was just wonderful to see. And then he goes on to see, um, <clears throat> talk about Luke, this guy. Um, uh, he was a physician, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts, which is like a continuation of the Gospel. And it says that, that he wrote more of the New Testament than any other. And I think it was probably just in sheer volume. But... Um, and he was the one that was with Paul at the end because in 2 Timothy 4, he says that, you know, Luke is with me. So he was the one that was with the apostle when uh, he was martyred at the end. And so this was a faithful one, probably one of the first uh, biblical historians, if not the first, and uh, since he's included in the word itself. And so um, the Gospel of Luke is the largest of the Gospels. And um, and it gives a very detailed account of things, and then the way that he describes certain miracles and stuff would indicate that a physician probably was the one observing this. And so, um, really, an awesome, awesome guy that you know. And and he uh, he was such a faithful companion. Then there's a gentleman named Demas. And um, he's mentioned here in that uh, there's a greeting from, from old Demas here. He's, you know, he says hi and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, unfortunately, at the end, um, Demas um, bails. And uh, um, Paul quotes as saying, having loved this present world, he split and uh, forsook Paul at some point and split and went the other way. That happens. 
This is the sort of thing that's going to happen. It's going to happen. To, it happens to all of us. It will. It's just life. That's what happens. You know, when we try to put trust in people, you know, and, and we understand how trustworthy we can be ourselves, and then we understand that, you know, how people are. And so, um, so this, is, this is one of those places when the Word, can, you know, takes on a reality. Because if I was writing this and it was a fake, I sure wouldn't include some guy that bailed on me. You know, I wouldn't do that. I would want to make sure that, that everybody here was like some kind of killer saint and stuff and everything they said and did, you know, was just incredible and all kinds of like money, you know, fell out of the sky and all that kind of stuff and everything. But no, this is a real thing. And, and this guy, he, though he's, he greets people here, he wasn't there at the end. So he didn't have the sand to stick to it. And so it's unfortunate. <clears throat> And then he sends a greeting to the Laodiceans. And this is kind of cool. He sends a, uh, a greeting to the church in Nympha's house, um, which in some translations, it's her house. And so in the King James, in the New King James, it says that it's his house. And then there's other translations where this possibly is a woman and the church is in her house. Now, why they would make sure that, that you know, that was they put a masculine thing on it or... Excuse me, however, I don't know, but I just like the fact that, you know, this person opened up their house for a church. Whether a man or a woman, it doesn't really matter. They, at this time, it would be more difficult for a woman to do this, but um, still, it's just a, a neat thing to see. And then um, he encourages them to read this letter that he's sending them, Colossians, to the Laodiceans, and then to read a letter that is sent to them, which is probably uh, the letter to the Ephesians. And so ask, he's asking them to swap this out. And then uh, there's a, a gentleman here that, that shows up in, in the letter of Philemon, um, Archippus, and uh, it's encouraged. He's encouraged in the ministry. It looks like he was involved with the church there and, and that sort of thing. And so he's asking for you know people to to uh, you know they, for him to be encouraged in the ministry and to stay strong in that. And so in verse eighteen, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains and grace be with you. It's just important for us to examine these gentlemen and see. We get to have a little bit of a face of what it was like and, and the people that, that stood strong. And, and, you know, we see what the apostles would say and that sort of thing and the different characters that's in here and ones that shine forth and that. But then there's also those that are just barely mentioned. Like, like with uh, Jesus uh, called Justice. We don't know anything about that guy, but he's mentioned. And, and these are just people that are there, they help, and they're not any different than we are. They're the, they're the kind of people that just, they just stand and they, they make a stand and they help out and they work and that sort of thing and they make themselves available however God can use them. And some of them wind up in prison. Some of them have difficulties. Some of them, you know, lose jobs and fortunes and different things or their health and different things like that and it's because they get sold out if we go over to um, Romans chapter 12 
looking at verse 1, and it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These guys weren't anybody any different than we are. They aren't anybody different than, you know, than, than, you know they weren't spe- special super saints or anything like that. They didn't have special anointing or anything, you know. And so God just, they just made themselves available to be used, however. And sometimes it was an adverse situation. And it's just the way that, that it was set up and how God used them. And so um, <clears throat> this scripture here becomes a real reality for us when we get to that place to where we understand that we need to then, you know, um, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, and that's our reasonable service. We want to become sold out to God completely, 100%. And I want to get into a position to where I can then tell, you know, just pray and ask God to use me however, and to be in that position to be used by Him, however He wants to do it, and and make myself available and be content for Him to use me however He wants to. So as we look here, we're going to look at, start in verse 3 and read down through here, and we're going to just kind of examine just how God, um, you know, has set this up for us to, to just, you know, uh, make ourselves available to Him. In verse 3 here in Romans 12, He says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individual, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> the importance of examining ourselves in this and just being able to be used by God however. God's given us all a degree of faith and it's not the you know all the same. He's given each one of us a different measure. And so, you know, I... <laughs> it's always dangerous when we look at something like this because we're like going, yeah, Pastor Zeke, he's like leading some big team to Uganda, but God didn't give me that measure of faith. I'm afraid, I'm afraid I am not that, you know, far along. The bummer of it is, is, you know, if we have a mustard seed of faith, we can move mountains, right? So whatever amount of measure he gives you, no matter what kind of crumb it is or whatever kind of big you know, pillar it is or whatever. I'm not using it. He's giving me like a crumb, you know, and I'm only taking half that crumb or a quarter of it and I'm kind of moving within that, you know. It's like, oh, I don't want to get too far along. I might fall off the edge. And he's like going, well, why don't I give you a little push then? And let's just see where you end up. Let's see if you can get down that slippery slope for a ways and get down in there and find out. 
you know? That's what Pastor Zeke tells us, you know, stay the course. We don't know where we're going to end up with this thing, you know? And he's like, he's like encouraging us to step out and to move in the way that, that you know, and, and to trust God for where we're going to be. And we've all been given a measure of faith in this. You know, and, and so, and he's telling us to, you know, don't get all caught up and have some kind of an exaggerated self-importance and that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, to be sober about your abilities according to your portion faith as given by God. You all have abilities. Every single one of us do. Everybody has the ability to, you know, to, and, and God is going to use you in whatever manner that is. No matter what, He's going to use you. And He desires to do that. Because he, He's given us those things. And then that, that associated within the fruit of the Spirit, which is like love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control, and that kind of thing, He builds upon that. That's added stuff that comes to the gifts and things that He gives you. The fruit of the Spirit is just walking in it and trusting Him for where you're going to end up at. And you see those things build as, as, he, as he moves you along. And so that's the encouragement here. And then He says that we have many members in this body, but we all don't have the same function. So we all have natural abilities, and then He's going to pull you out of your comfort zone, and you're going to find out that there's abilities that you didn't even know you had. And all of a sudden, God's going to start using you in certain ways. And you're like tripping over the fact that I didn't even think that I would ever be able to do something like this. And he's like going, you know, I got this under control. Just trust me. And we're going to just keep on going. You're going to be amazed. And so trust God for however he's going to do. If he's calling you into something and you're like going, I don't think so. Relax. Just relax. Give it a shot. See what happens. And if it explodes on you, you know, the Apostle Paul was called to Macedonia. And as soon as he got there, he got thrashed, beat, stoned, and stomped. And then he's like going, I must be in the right place. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I know what I'd be doing. I'd be booking a boat back to wherever, you know, and be getting out of there. I'd be going to Spain or something. It's like, well, man, I'm going to hit a beach. I'm not even doing this. And he's just like, all right, let's do this, Lord. Yeah, I got Luke with me. We can do anything. So, <clears throat> anyways. So, we all have abilities. And then it says that, then he's, he says that we are all one body, yet mutually dependent on one another. And we need each other. This is such a cool thought. When Brother Steve up there at Fenner, when, uh, when one of the brothers is going to be getting out and whatever, uh, sometimes they don't have a place to go. So Brother Steve can try to find them a halfway house or something that they can get. A lot of times they do have family that they go to live with. But what he does is he encourages them and finds churches where they're going to be at and he encourages them to get into a fellowship because this is a tremendous step. 70% return rate to prison whether you're a Christian or not. That's just the way it is. You know, that's the reality. And so what he tries to do is get them plugged in so that when they get into a fellowship, and he tells them, there's a place for you in, in a fellowship somewhere. 
There is a hole for you. And there is something for you to do in that fellowship. And so he says, get plugged in and then let God show you what it is that you need to be doing in that fellowship. And that's the encouragement. He wants to try to get them plugged in so that they can then become a part of that fellowship and be used by God there. And that's the same for all of us. I'm still checking out churches. I don't know, you know, and stuff. If you're in here, this is where God calls you to be. And this is where he wants you to be. And so he's got something for you to do here. Guaranteed. I guarantee it. He wants you doing something here. Because that's, that's, he's brought you here. It's not an accident. You know, it it may be an accident you happen to wander in today. Don't worry. (laughs) Pastor Zeke will be here tomorrow. But trust her next week. He'll be here. It's cool. Don't worry, this is an always thing, you know. Um, but the fact remains is, is that, you know, God's got stuff for us to do, and He wants to use us. And that's, you know, you have gifts and you have talents, you know, and they differ according to the grace that's given to us. And so He wants us to use them. And so... <clears throat> He wants us to use these gifts into the proportion of the measure of faith that he's given us. And like I said, since we're probably not all moving within the amount of faith he's given us anyways, that means we can stretch ourselves out and see what's going to happen. And it's okay. You can do that. Go ahead and, you know, throw yourself out there. Let's see what happens. Yeah, man, but I might get beat up. Somebody might know something about me. I might be vulnerable. Uh, I might open myself up and people actually know something about me. Yeah, they might. You know, maybe they'll find out something adverse about you. But it can only be a help because God's got it under control. And so he's going to use us according to the measure of faith. So I got to trust him. Man, I got a lot of secrets I got to protect. I got to make sure nobody finds out. Trust God for wherever it is. And if they find out, then it was meant to be, and it's cool. Don't worry about it. It'll be all right. And so, um, if God's placed you in some kind of a ministry, whether it's to teach or to encourage or there's acts of mercy, go for it. Is He laying something on your heart? Is there something that He's laying on your heart that you're not acting on? Because... I'm not any good. Nobody likes me. I'm just going to mess it up. They'll get rid of me as soon as they find out. I mean, come on. (laughs) Seriously? You know? Look at the example here. Come on. God's going to use you. Trust me. You know? It's a guarantee that He's going to use you. And He wants to. So... And that's the encouragement here. God wants to use you. Now, last week here in the, in the Sunday school, um, there's a lady, Nancy, teaching a class. She teaches a class that is six-year-olds to a fifth grade or to 11-year-olds. That, she had 15 kids, and she was by herself. This happens all the time. This week it happens to be smaller than that. But last week, there was more. Our church is growing. And we're starting to get younger families. And we're getting more people coming in and they're bringing in kids and stuff. 
Now, to teach a class of 6 to 11-year-olds who are trying to, you know, build up this, this you know, trying to teach an 11-year-old but dumb it down so that it can be understood by a 6-year-old. And when you have 15 of them, then it's a very difficult thing. They're doing it. Trust me, they're doing it. But they need helpers. If you don't think that you can actually teach a study, you know, I don't know, man, you know, and stuff. You know, you can trust God. He needs teachers. We need teachers bad. We need teachers really bad. But at the same time, we also need helpers. And so you can also, you know, sign up to help and so that you can relieve, you know, the teacher so she, he or she can take care of the lesson plan and you can hand out coloring sheets or make somebody sit down or you know or anything I don't think you're allowed to hit children anymore in Sunday school <laughs> but so you have to refrain from that but uh, other than that you know um, they need helpers and that sort of thing and and uh, the list is huge you know we need to split these classes up so that kids can be taught within their age groups and so we need more teachers, and we need helpers to help them. Our church is starting to grow. And so the encouragement here is to, to really pray. And if God is prompting you and you haven't acted on that, go for it. Go for it and, and see what happens. And, and I know you're going to love it. it it's it's going to be an awesome thing. And then you're going to get to know more people and stuff and everything. And it's just a win-win situation all the way across the board, seriously. But there's the Sunday school, and they need helpers there. There's the worship team. I know the stage is packed, and it, you know, but no, he, they always need people that can play and they can sing and that sort of thing. We need help in the sound room um, um, all the time. Adult teachers, Pastor Zeke, he has his eye on you. You may not think that, but he does. He knows each and every one of you. He knows where you guys live. He knows what you think. And he's watching. And at some point, all of a sudden, he's going to step up one day and ask you to do some teaching or preaching or something somewhere. Trust me. So he's keeping an eye out. So if he does that, go for it. You know, say, all right. Yeah, I'll do that, you know. Because, you know, I am living proof that no matter what I say up here, you guys still come back. So it's okay, you will be fine. Don't worry. It's okay. You guys were brave enough to come back this week knowing, you know, that you have a hope that goes beyond today because Pastor Zeke will be here next week. That's true faith right there. We have a prison ministry. Pastor, or uh, Brother Steve has been going to Fenner for years he is the only one that does worship. He could use a little relief. And he's up there today. He went up today by himself, and he shared, and he also sings. And so he's in the rotation, but he does it all himself. So if one of you, if someone can play, or at some point and give him some relief, that would be wonderful. Um, and um, then... Uh, community involvement. We have a drug and alcohol. We have the truck stop ministry. Um, there is a care ministry here um, that uh, they always are in need of people to 
you know, people need a ride to the doctor or they need meals or they need some kind of help in some way or if you're handy or whatever. Um, you don't have to go to a missions trip to fix roofs. There's all kinds of roofs here. If you've got that kind of a talent, then God can use you here and you can make yourself available to that. And so, and in any of these things that you have going on, you can always talk to Ann or um, you know, you can talk to me or Pastor Zeke or whatever, and, and um, they will then, you know, get you hooked up with, you know, someone that has a need or, or needs help or something like that. And so, you know, if God's laying something on your heart this way, then go for it. And yeah, we do have, you know, you go through the fingerprinting and that kind of stuff and everything when you, and, and that's part of the deal. But um, again, step out in faith. You'll get through that part very easy. It's cool. And so, you know, God wants to, to use you how, you know, in, in to help this fellowship because this is where he's called you to be. You know, this is your fellowship. This is your church. This is where you are. And he wants you to be here and be used, you know, by, by him to minister to each other because we have to. We need each other. It's extremely important. To, for us to be used by him and this is where he's brought you and so this is where he, we, he needs your help here and so I'm going to read through the next uh, next few verses here and then uh, you know then we will just close up so let me leave you with this and just read through this and let the spirit minister to you I'm not going to be preaching anything on this part just, just let the word minister to your heart and let God teach you here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For so in doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. I always like this scripture because I always like that burning hair trip, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be so good to you that your head's going to be on fire. And then I read this thing this guy came up with, and he's like going, oh, that means that when people would leave town or go on vacation, and then when they come back, then they would have to go to their neighbor to get some coal so that they could cook dinner and get their house heated up and stuff because their fire went out. And so what you're doing is when you're treating, you know, being real nice to people, then you're just... The Spirit of God is just going to go with them and they're going to have a pot on their head with the coals and then they go in and, and then they're going to start their fire and the Spirit, you know, warms their hearts and their, you know, that's, you know, blows the whole head on fire thing out <laughs> and so just ruined it for me. But anyways, however way you look at that, 
do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just glorify You, Lord. We, we pray that You'll move um, within these walls, Lord, within this fellowship. We pray that You'll anoint and use um, each and every one of us, Lord, um, and place us in that position that You desire us to be in. That you'll bring more teachers, Father. You'll bring more helpers. That you'll bring those to, to, uh, to help with the different and various ministries that we have for the care ministry and for the, for the prison fellowship and all, Father. We just pray that you'll move in a mighty way here by your Spirit. That you'll prompt us, use us, and give us that true desire to be used by you according to your will, Father. Lord. We honor you, we glorify you, and we, again, pray for the, for the mission team that you'll bring them home safe and, and, and in your care and continue to use them. We praise you for all these people that are getting saved and coming to know you, Lord. And we pray that you'll move this same way in this community, that people will get saved here because of the efforts here as, as you've given us a measure of faith and we exercise and move in that faith to be used by you to impact our own community right here. Lord, we glorify you and we honor and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.